In this episode, I'm speaking with two huge names in real estate tech, Chris Smith and Jimmy Mackin. These guys have had a major impact on the real estate industry over the last few years. Jimmy founded Frugal, and Chris was one of the chief evangelists at Inman News and chief people worker at Dotloop. In 2012, they joined forces to create Curator, a marketing firm that works with some of the top real estate teams in the country. Chris and Jimmy are on a mission to put an end to bad real estate marketing. In this interview, you'll hear them lay down some truths about what it really takes to build a great real estate business and how today's agents can overcome app overload. Let's dive in. This is Alyssa Hellman of Better Homes and Gardens Go Realty. Hi, this is Jack Miller from T3 Experts. This is Chris Smith. And I'm Jimmy Mackin. And you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining, guys. We're super psyched to have you. Um, you know, I'd love to start off by you telling listeners a little bit about your company, Curator. Um, I'm a huge fan, as you guys probably know. Um, I'd love to know more about it and what made you guys decide to start the company. Sure. Great question. I'll, I'll take the lead on the first question, Jimmy. Basically, Seth, you know, Jimmy and I were like bloggers and, and selling software and selling widgets and kind of a vendor in the industry. And as we did that, we would, would get approached and people would say, oh, I loved your, your talk about Facebook ads, or I loved your talk about Google tools, or I loved your talk about how to get leads from Twitter or whatever the topic may have been. And so people just kept coming to us, a lot of top producers, and would say, I love all this marketing and technology that's happening, but I just don't have the time to do it. And so can I hire you to do it for me? And, and we just had to keep saying no. And we're business people. So we just tried to figure out a way. How can we say yes to the question, can you do all of my marketing for me? And it, that's a big question, Seth, right? It's a you huge know. question. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's what Curator is, is we knew that we couldn't do it alone. Like we couldn't build every tool necessary to help someone. And there were so many great tools out there like Playster, like Follow Up Boss, like Happy Grasshopper. And so instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, we tried to become the mortar in between the bricks. We tried to help our clients choose the best technology, set it up for them, and then do the work that really matters, which is launching strategic campaigns that get results. I mean, I think you might be selling yourself a little bit short when you say you sold widgets and maybe you were a vendor in the space. I mean, you guys, you guys had some early technology wins. I mean, you were representing a pretty significant company. You were the main guy at the Inman stage. Uh, Jimmy started on with your early uh, MLS app. I mean, these were significant in our space. Um, and I know that you've evolved since then. Um, Jimmy, what when you started a while back, when you did the MLS app, what was the thing, what was the impetus there? Yeah, well, uh, I, I was I was really shocked, Seth, to to find out uh, how how much this industry as a as a whole was nostalgic, right? How we we just sort of buried our heads in the sand. This was maybe six seven years ago at this point, 
And uh, we, we felt that there was, an, there was an opportunity, and we were naive to think that we could sort of change things overnight, but we thought there was an opportunity to really disrupt the space by you know, pushing this industry forward into the, into the 21st century when it came to marketing and technology. Um, the reality is, is that like any new vendor in this space, any disruptor, any innovator, what you learn very quickly is if you try to, uh, if you try to make, a, make some waves without the help and without the support of the agents – and the leadership in this, in this space, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. You'll never win. Yeah. So, you know, for us, uh, you know, the, the starting point was really, it was very, very simple. It's like, Hey, there's, there's at this point, hundreds of millions of consumers on Facebook. Let's figure out a way to represent real estate there. And that was it. That was the extent of it. Yeah. Uh, the industry wasn't ready for it for many years later, but that was, that was the beginning. Well, it seems like the industry's certainly embracing it now. I mean, in the sense of maybe not everyone is using all of the tools, but they know that they need to be there. Um, and at least I'm, that's what I'm seeing. I, I want to talk a little bit about a little bit more about curator. How do you guys, so you've built this business. It doesn't seem like you spend a lot on advertising. Um, how do you get the word out about it? Well, I think Seth, the best way to get the word out about your product is to make it work. You know, <laughs> like it, it's funny because we we track all of our data. So I'll be real specific. We get our leads that come in three sources, right? Through content marketing online, yep. heavily heavily uh, driven by our web show, The Water Cooler. We also get it through speaking at conferences, so kind of belly to belly, showing our expertise in person. Yeah. And then word of mouth referrals is our largest referral source. So I think the the perfect storm that companies are looking for, it, it's not just about product market fit. It's about then servicing your customers and having such an inarguable impact for their business that they can't help but tell their friends about it. And so like we're more proud of the fact that we have a 70 net promoter score then we are about the revenue growth. Yeah. And you attribute that to, I mean, I've, I know a lot of your customers. I mean, you guys handhold them and you show them how to do things and you engage with them on a regular basis. Is that the sort of the core of how you interact? Yeah. People want to focus on people and, and what's happening in marketing is that you get so many passwords that it gets hard to focus on people. So we basically flip the funnel and we just tell our customers, like, we are not a software company. We are a marketing company that actually needs software to do our job. And so one of the biggest hacks that has, has led to our success has been when somebody signs up with Curator, as opposed to sending them like five or six new logins, we actually have them give us all of their existing logins. In the first three or four weeks, they just do what they've always done. They go back to work and our team does all the under the hood kind of really like complicated work of, you know, API keys, CSV files, uh, drip campaigns, SMS messaging. So if, if you can get that done, it's kind of all downhill from there. But a lot of people struggle, Seth, because they go to a conference or they go to a webinar, they hear about a tool. And then they log in and they go through that setup wizard and it's just a nightmare. So I think the secret sauce at Curator is people, not pixels. Yeah. And you're good at that, aren't you? Um, I'd love to sort of expand a little bit about you guys helping real estate agents. What do you think or what do you see as the biggest thing that they struggle with? <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's really like Chris was just saying, it's execution. Uh, you know, in real estate, we're much more interested in day one and not nearly interested in day two, right? Yeah. Like once, once the sizzle wears off, there's real work to be done. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is important, I think this is a lesson we've learned along the way, Seth, is you have to, you have, to have a purpose behind everything you do with technology and you have to lead with that purpose. And you have to have a clear sort of standard operating procedures in terms of how you run your business. And, and the great entrepreneurs in our space, the ones who are really making waves, the ones who are really at, you know, seeing this, this, this uh, double-digit growth in their business in the, in, the, uh, in, in the last couple of years has been a result of people who lead with that, that basic philosophy. Like they are, they are every day they are doing something to grow their business and they're working on their business. So, you know, in, in real estate, I think the, the tendency is, and we talked about this a lot, but the tendency is we, we want to be very superficial. You know, we're always excited about the latest to-do list app, right? Yeah. We're always excited about, you know, flat design when that was popular, responsiveness that's when that's, when that's popular. And the reality is, is like, None of that stuff matters if you're not doing the boring stuff that actually helps grow your business. Yeah. So you've got to you've got to have an unhealthy obsession with that. You've got to have an unhealthy obsession that you've got to be really going much deeper than your competition if you're going to be able to actually move the needle. It seems like um, many, and I'm going to focus on the real estate space because we both work in it. But many in the real estate space still have a a a balance of their budget where 90% of it is spent on other stuff and not necessarily digital marketing. And then there's a small amount invested is what I like to, the term that I like to use invested in marketing. How do you get people to understand like the value of investing in marketing? Yeah. Well, I, well, you know, I've been on record saying this and I, I think the, I think the, the ad spend in this industry is totally insane. Uh, you know, and I think what happens is, is we, we, we suffer from a, a, a syndrome, I think Tom Peters coined this phrase, better sameness. You know, when we get into this industry, we look at the top producers and top producers in, the, in this space have been doing a specific activity they've been doing for 20 years and they're successful, right? Yeah. And, I, and I've always argued that they're successful because they're successful in, in, in spite of themselves, right? They're successful because not they, that Fizzbo's and expired marketing or direct mail marketing is the key to, to growing your business in 2015. They're successful because they're, they're dogged. They are, they are, uh, they are just determined and they're consistent with what they do. And if you apply that same basic work ethic and principles to digital, the, the, the results would be a hundred X what you'd be able to achieve with cold calling expires. Yeah. We're afraid to step into that space. So I, I think for us, Seth, one of the things that we look at, we always look outside our industry for inspiration. If you look at someone like Jeff Bezos and you look at his advice and what he's done with Amazon, he says, invest in things that don't go out of style, things that will be relevant five years from now. Well, we think Right. The web is going to be more relevant five years from today than it is right now. I, so think, the, I think the writing's on the wall. Yes. Right. So like that's that, that's inarguable. So yeah. once you kind of lay out those facts and you get your clients to buy into that, then then it's it's not really hard to convince them. Yeah, and Seth, I'll add one thing to that, which is that, it, you know, Jimmy and I talk about this a lot. If you're not focusing your efforts on attaining or retaining clients, what are you doing? And so mm -hmm. if you're, you know, and that's really sales and service, um, you know, the, the path of least resistance to marketing online is paying Zillow, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and that's what brokers and agents are comfortable doing because they used to pay the newspaper 
And the newspaper just said, send us all the details about your listing and we'll get it in front of people. And so to me, like Zillow really disrupted like the classifieds and they really disrupted Craigslist, right? So instead of going to Craigslist or going to the newspaper, we go to Zillow, but there's still no art there. Yeah. You know, all you're doing is paying your bill and hopefully getting some leads. And when you get into things like social advertising through Facebook, when you get into things like email marketing, you have much more of a blank canvas to get creative on. There's a lot more control. Like as an example, if you had a great month with Facebook ads, you could actually not run any ads the next month while you were focused on conversion. But if you have a great month with Zillow, they don't turn your bill off the next month. You're <laughs> this right. Is true. So, well, you you're, know, you're uh, renting, you're yeah. renting access basically. Exactly. And then you're a slave to their policy changes, right? Because yeah. now all of a sudden, like and we have a lot of customers whose price has quadrupled and it isn't that like Facebook's prices don't go up too. It's that at least you have a choice. And like, if you think about it now, Seth, you really have, you know what? Zillow group, which is Zillow and Trulia. Then you have Realtor.com and then you have maybe Homes.com and, and maybe the, a couple like HomeFinder. But but outside of those four or five places, you kind of feel like there's nothing else. Yeah. And think of those four or five places like newspaper, radio and TV. And in the past, there wasn't an alternative. And today there is. Yeah, there's thousands. Um, you know, I want to get granular. So let's say I'm, you know, I'm a, a broker that hasn't been doing digital um, I've been clearly spending some money and, you know, I focus a lot of my energy on recruiting, but I need to build a foundation. What are the, what are the first few things that that person should be focusing on? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take the high level approach, Jimmy. And then if you want to take a more granular level, but the, the three things that I try to break it down for people that are, you know, looking for just kind of something to write down would be content capture and convert. So when you're going to spend money on online, you're either going to be promoting content, you're going to be promoting capture pages, or you're going to be doing things that help convert the leads that you're getting. So we try to just focus like if you're, as an example, like you don't have any leads and you're listening right now and like you definitely don't have 20, 30, 50, 100 leads a month every month, you probably shouldn't do a whole lot of the content stuff. And you probably don't even have a lot of people that you need to convert. You just need to focus on capturing leads. So once you identify like, where am I personally at in my business? If you're placer, if you're curator and lead generation is not your challenge, that's when you can get up and start doing content marketing and, and create mass awareness. But if you're a real estate agent right now with two listings and not enough money to pay your bills six months from now, you probably should be thinking about advertising on Facebook to generate leads, things like landing pages, things like home value pages, things like a listing details page that you have to register to access. So I think one of the challenges for entrepreneurs, Seth, is they they want to be like the great marketers that they see and follow, Yeah. but their business isn't at that life cycle yet because not that they're new to business, they're new to digital. Yeah. Well, I also think, I mean, you bring up a good point. We want to emulate those that are doing exceptionally well. There are so many bricks to lay along that path to get to that. Like, you know, if you think about you guys started Curator, has it been almost three years now? Yeah, we're closing in on that. So year one or month one, I mean, I remember talking to you guys, things are a lot different now than they were then. And you guys, the skill set 
and the knowledge that you've acquired over the last 36 months has been exponential. And I, you know, you see it in the way that your customers respond. And I, I look at your tools, like they're polished, you know, it's like, it's a, it's, it's the learning thing that everyone has to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, to, and thanks for saying that, Seth. I think for us, uh, you know, we, we, we always joke about this. When we first rolled out our company, our exhibit A, which is a, a, an outline of all of our services, had about 25 things on it. Now it has three, which is what Chris just outlined. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, the same thing, the same lessons we've learned as a company, I think can be applied to the average uh, team or broker out there, which is you've got to trim the fat and you've got to focus on what works. Uh, but I think there's, there's one, there's one mindset and it's not a granular uh, tip, but this is something I think it's important for everyone who's listening today to, to, to understand is that it's not supposed to be easy. And I think right now, <laughs> say that again, Jimmy. Yeah. It's, it's not supposed to be easy. So if you're making the transition to digital or you're looking to grow your business, whatever, you know, whatever your goals are, it's not supposed to be easy. So to Chris's point, you could have all these things in place, but you should reflect on, hey, where am I weak? Where is there the biggest opportunity for me to grow? If, if 80% of your business comes from your past clients and sphere of influence, going from 80 to 85% is not going to move the needle for you. If 0% comes from digital, obviously there's, there's a huge, uh, huge opportunity for growth there. Uh, so I think that that's number one set, the point I want to make on that. The second thing is, and this is a great uh, tip that we got from Gary Vaynerchuk a while back. He said to us, talent matters. And I think in our industry, you know, there, there are so many smart people, talented people who have been in this business for 20, 30 years who have yet to figure out a way to translate their knowledge, their expertise into a digital form. Yeah. And I think the moment they can make that connection in their brain that, yeah, I'm an expert. I know a lot more than people. And I just have to be able to take what's in my brain where I'm sharing with people on a daily basis uh, and you know, present that in a way that can be consumed by uh, you know, prospects online. That, that's, that's that aha moment right for them. Yeah. And they have, they have an unfair advantage in comparison to the average, let's say, younger, more savvy agent. They know more. They're more talented. They have more experience. Right. And they need to use that as an advantage, not a disadvantage. And, and let me add one one quick thing to that, which is that every lead is an Internet lead. So, yes, a lot of people should invest in digital so that they get more leads. But the other thing is that they should understand that their referral leads are an Internet lead. You know, and so if you start thinking about every lead being an Internet lead, it may be worth getting a new website just so that you don't look terrible when your referrals check you out. You know, the, the, the ability to like what Jimmy, Jimmy and I think of it this way. And if you're working on a website or you're uh, setting up like a new placeter site, think about this ideology. Your website should get you hired. It shouldn't just get you leads. Yeah. And that's what we go for. If you look at things like our about page, testimonials page, experience map, those technologies that we're spending a ton of time building, we're doing that because those are the reasons that a seller hires an agent. And when when you look at the design and, and most of the marketing in real estate, including the billions that are spent with the portals, it's so buyer centric, it's ridiculous. So that was kind of our, you know, Jimmy likes to say, swim in your own lane. Competition is for losers. We, you know, we're big fans of Peter Thiel. Yeah. And so we just looked at like 98% of the stuff being worked on is focused on buyers. So let's just make a commitment that we're just not gonna do that. And it isn't that we don't have IDX, like I usually underplay that stuff, but it's that 
what is it that what are the reasons people hire you when you sit in their home and are those on your website? Yeah, I think that that thing that you both have brought up, the idea that there is expertise locked up in humans you know, that work in this industry. But if you go to their website, you have no idea not only what their personality is, but you don't know what their values are. You don't know what they're good at because it's basically, you know, the we're number one and there's a, there's a bunch of bold text and probably too much of it on there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a little bit of ideology, Seth. It's a little bit generational, if I can be really honest with you, because like when I was growing up and my dad and I would read the newspaper at the breakfast table we would only discuss it amongst ourselves. So if, if for the first 30 or 40 years of your life, as you consumed content, you internalized it, it's not quite so intuitive to consume content and then immediately share it the way people like we do, right? Yeah. So like my dad probably doesn't update his Facebook very much because he just grew up in a world where you internalized what you consumed. And I grew up in a world where you share what you consumed. So if, if it's a generational thing, to me, that's the only thing holding people back that are a little older that feel like, you know, digital marketing's not for them. It's not just what Jimmy's saying about sharing your own expertise. It's about also this curation idea that you're going to probably wake up and read interesting stuff. Are you willing to hit one more button and share that with the people that you're connected to. It's yeah. really that one button that you're probably missing. And you know, the other thing that that brings up is I, th when I speak to folks, you know, whatever audiences, whether I'm doing a workshop or are on a stage speaking to a lot of folks afterwards, people come up to me and they voice this concern about sharing their intellectual property that someone else is going to steal it. And I think that's such a fallacy. Like, there are no new ideas in the world. Like you can probably find every sort of business idea that you've thought of and every sort of technique by Googling in some way, shape or form. And yep. so sharing that your information or your expertise publish publicly is really, it's like table stakes at this point because people expect to find you online first. There's a, there's a, there's a big mural on the wall at Facebook's headquarters, Seth. And it's also on the cover of their employee handbook. Uh -huh. And it says, if we don't build the thing that destroys Facebook, somebody else will. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. There's a, I had a conversation uh, not long ago with Ann Handley from Marketing Profs, and she was talking about content and uh, she, she's got a great book if anybody hasn't read it. It's like, you know, everybody writes, that's what it's called. But she talks about online words as being emissaries and you know, telling the story of who we are before they meet us. And that to me was just such a simple way to, to put it, which is, Oh, I get it. Everything that I write is really me having a handshake yeah. with someone and, and that the, doesn't the, know me. The thing too, Seth is the barrier to entry. So like five years ago, if we were suggesting that people shared their expertise, they would almost have to do it through a blog, yeah. right? Or maybe yeah. a podcast like this. But what I would challenge people to do is just start with your Facebook profile. Like go back through your Facebook profile and look at when is the last time that I did a status update that was more than 200 words yeah. where there was actually a lot of value. You know, social, it almost like lulls you in 
yeah. to, to being very high level and, and saying, hey, check this out, or oh, this was funny, or oh, I love this article. But what I've tried to do is understand that like for most people listening right now, your biggest megaphone is your Facebook profile. So if you were to go back and look through that, would you consider yourself an expert at anything? Would you consider yourself to be sharing anything that's helping people? And usually uh, people don't think of their Facebook profile like a blog, but for me, that's the quickest way that anybody listening right now can test the waters of original content is just through their Facebook profile. That's a really great point. Hey, Jimmy, I've got a question for you. I mean, I think we can all agree that digital has created lots of changes in the in the marketing landscape. What do you see that hasn't changed for folks in the real estate profession that won't change? Like we can say, hey, the internet's coming, but and we know that everyone's gonna be on it, but what is what is the consistent drumbeat that they still need to pay attention to? Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, well, the, the, my, my mind goes in a million different directions when you ask that question, Seth, because I think there's a lot of things that haven't changed, but one, one of the things that, that I, uh, an article I just read recently that Chris shared with me uh, from Medium, from Stuart Butterfield, actually, of all people, if the founder of Slack, uh, he wrote this awesome post. Uh, it says, it's called "We Don't Sell Saddles Around Here" on Medium. And one of the things that they, they, they talk about, and this is a, an internal memo they released uh, prior to actually launching Slack. And Slack, for those of you who don't know, is I think the fastest growing SaaS company uh, in history uh, in terms of what they've been able to achieve from a revenue standpoint. Uh, they're 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 the golden uh, child, right, of, of of this space right now. Yeah. Uh, they're 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 what people are going to be referring to as like the the next Uber. I, I, I keep saying that. Like people are going to say, like we're the slack of this, right? I think that's the next uh, next thing coming down the pipe. But my, my point there is that what they touched on in that in that piece, what Stuart touched on specifically, was there's very little margin not to be great, right? So what has what hasn't changed is that competition is still incredibly difficult and fierce, right? Yeah. What hasn't changed is your need in. Uh, requirement to be great at your job. If you're going to be active from a marketing standpoint, if you're going to shine that spotlight in your business, you've got to get your house in order. If you are bad at what you do, blogging is not going to help the famous Linda Davis quote, right? Yeah. So, so, so for me, I think the fundamentals of business probably will never change. Treating people um, the way you want to be treated, providing more value than you take, uh, going out of your way to help people. These are, these are fundamentals that the internet won't change. And I think here's, here's the thing that is really refreshing, Seth, is that if you actually have this commitment, if you actually have this, this basic philosophy that drives your business, people notice, right? Yeah. People actually take notice to that. Um, so for me, I think that that hasn't changed. The one, the one other part of it, Seth, is that great businesses have a vision. They have a point of view and real estate, I feel like the great, uh, you know, startups and the, and the upstarts here, like, uh, I think of Alante real estate, you know, in our, in yeah. our area, Seth, yep. uh, Susanna. Yeah. You know, they, they have a, they have a point of view. Yeah. And I think that like, for some reason we're afraid to, to do that in real estate and great companies do it and they do it well and they beat that drum and they don't care if it, if it, uh, you know, marginalizes them against other potential customers. They do it because it attracts the right people to do business with. Yeah. Without a doubt. That's a great point. Um, Chris, I'd love to talk a little bit about your book, People Work. Um, what gave you the idea to write it? Well, being really transparent, Austin Allison, the CEO of Dotloop, uh, he, you know, kind of, they basically are kind of in that Slack 
uh, category of growth, but for real estate specifically. So Dotloop is such a cool story where you would think that, you know, DocuSign, who's kind of this incumbent on digital signatures, they have a deal with NAR. You know, you would think that you would be crazy to go after them. And Austin Allison had a vision that if we can create a place for people to work better together, that's actually much bigger than digitizing a signature. And so the idea of building a, a collaborative platform for people to, to work versus like here, click here to sign, because we know there's so much back and forth when it comes to real estate contracts. So people work is about how do you run a people first business and experience massive growth in a digital first world. And what we uncovered is that it comes down to some pretty core philosophies like understanding that you have to be a human company and that things like accounting and things like marketing and sales are not as important as things like caring and things <laughs> yeah. like being genuine. Um, and you know, Gary Vaynerchuk who wrote the forward to the book, he actually talks a lot about uh, you know, that we need to bring the baker's dozen back, you know, that our grandparents would be better at business than we are because they had to care to get lifetime value. So people work. It's been a great movement to watch. The idea is that we look at our phones more than we look at people in the face. Yeah. And it isn't going to change like that's only going to get different and bigger and faster. So now that everything's digital, what do we do to run a great business that focuses on people? And I, I'd love people to check it out. It, it really, it's a great, uh, it's a great book. I think you guys really touched on a nerve. And I, I also, you know, one of the things I thought you guys did exceptionally well was the launch, um, you know, launching it on Kickstarter. What did you learn from that process? Well, the number one takeaway is that people like things a lot more before they're available. Yeah. So I told Jimmy this the other day that like beta is the new, like, here's our product, right? Like early access to something is the new, here it is. Yeah. And that would probably be the takeaway between raising $73,000 on Kickstarter, pre-selling 12,000 copies or, or 10,000 copies, whatever the number was. The day the book came out was the day that we stopped marketing the book. Yeah. And I think that was probably my biggest aha throughout the process was that you actually win or lose on what you sell before you release it. And there are very few people that understand how to build what we call pre-buzz, um, that beta mindset that the book is always better before they read it. Think about movies, Seth. Yeah. The trailers yeah, are the trailers. always great. Oh, <laughs> you know? I, I watch, I love so watching like, trailers. Use the trailer to generate leads. Yeah. Don't use the movie. Cause once they watch the movie, it's probably not that good. Right. Um, not saying the book's not good, but the idea is that whatever <laughs> you're selling is probably better before they experience it. And you see this on product ton a lot now, right. Yeah. Which is a great site to find great marketing tools you know, 80% of the stuff that they're releasing, it's only for product hunt people for the first couple of weeks before yeah. it's available to everybody. So um, the other thing I learned, Seth, is that even if you have a huge network, right? You know, we have tens of thousands of followers and fans, more than 150,000 people that are connected to us on social. There's still only going to be a couple dozen that can really move the needle for you. Yeah. So using technology, software, phone calls, emails, your gut to identify of my network of thousands, who are the dozen that can help me share this message 
and it'll actually spread. Yeah. And and that's where like even tools like clout, believe it or not, are, are pretty powerful. Like if you go into Hootsuite and you sort by clout score and you search by the people using the hashtag people work, you can actually find the four or five people that when they tweet or when they talk, people listen versus just kind of those super fans that, yes, they're sharing what you're doing, but there's no reverb. Yeah. I did a, um, a post a while back on influencer marketing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've learned just a ton about it, but I just think it's so valuable for folks and it's so underutilized. I mean, I think we do it naturally, right? We gravitate towards folks that can help us connect. But I think if, you know, as marketers, that's something that people in the real estate space could could really leverage. And, and again, Seth, go to your Facebook profile. The next time you have something coming soon, whether it's a listing or a product or a book, go to your Facebook profile and say, hey, I've got this really awesome thing coming soon. Leave a comment below if you'd like me to uh, share it with you first and watch what happens. Like it's unbelievable. Remember, these are just people, right? People like early access, people like being in the inner circle. Um, And just to, you know, here's a funny thing, just a little data for you. Like I'm working on my second book called The Conversion Code and the book won't even be out until the middle of next year. And I've already generated over a thousand emails that want early access to that book. So we'll, that we'll put the link in the in the show notes. Yeah, but that I, just to give people a software to use, LaunchRock. I love that. Yeah, like LaunchRock is a perfect example of like I've got this thing coming soon, and it not only captures the lead, it has a viral component. So after they register for early access, they can share it on Facebook and Twitter, and then you can actually see every person that sent you a referrer. So you can thank the people that got you the most traction. I I love launch rock for that stuff. Yeah. They're doing a great job. Um, okay. So totally get the whole people work concept. Love how you launched it. How can real estate professionals use the principles that you guys use to build a better business? Well, I'll let Jimmy take this because one of the principles is that service is marketing. And Jimmy, one of the things that we've uncovered is that uh, you actually want to like intentionally create service opportunities for yourself and so that you can exceed expectations, which then creates a little bit of viralness. So, Jimmy, what would you say, like, how does people work apply to service and operations in your opinion? Yeah, sure. So uh, just one quick uh, note on what we were just talking about there a moment ago. I think the, the one trap I would, I would avoid when it comes to when you're looking at people like Chris or you're looking at people like Seth or you're looking at people like Gary Vaynerchuk is that, you know, these individuals have tens of thousands of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers in some cases. In our space of real estate, you don't need that many, right? Like you're not selling $10 widgets. You're selling millions of dollars of real estate. So I think there's something to be said, Seth and Chris, on the topic of really going deep with your connections and not worrying about this vanity metric and not trying to compare yourself to some of these people who do this for a living. Good point. because it, because it would just demoralize you. Let's be yeah, real. Yeah, <laughs> good point. When you have when you have ten followers and you're thinking of someone that has ten thousand or thirty or a hundred thousand, that's a yeah, exactly. It's a tall mountain. <laughs> so uh, so on the topic of service and, and people work, uh, you know, we put a lot of the basic philosophies in place. One one of the one of the uh, one of the underlying things that we think about because we've we've grown right. We've we've grown four hundred percent year over year since we've been in business. Now going into our third year, or going to go into our fourth year coming up now is um, a, a concept that's touched on the book, which is the net promoter score. 
And one of the things that's really interesting about this, and this is a, this is a, a tool that large organizations use to measure the satisfaction of their clients at any given moment, right? And the basic idea is that you want to have a, a, a pulse. How, how, what's the overall perception of our service as a company to our clients? And we, we've applied that to uh, we've applied it to everything we do here, at Curator, because we're we're obsessed with rapid growth. We're obsessed with uh, you know improving our product, improving our service, but we don't we don't have a baseline or a measurement to be able to 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 to, to measure that to some degree. And I think what happens is the trap that people in service fall into is that because the job is constantly putting out fires. And in the, the perception is, what have you done for me lately? That you sometimes don't know where where North is. You really don't know where you stand in terms of your uh, your service as a company as a whole. So I think my my advice, and this kind of goes back to some of the things that uh, talked about in people work. My advice is, you have to understand where you're where you're starting from. There there isn't this this reality in which every client you work with is going to be happy. You're going to have pissed off clients. You're going to have angry emails, angry phone calls. How you react to that, and how you more accurately do not overreact to it, right, is going to define you as an organization, your ability to service your customers. So to give you a practical example, Seth, I think in our case at Curator, one of the things that we look for is we look to highlight and showcase success stories amongst our clients to give our clients a clear path towards growing their own business. So as an example, if we identify, hey, they're weak right here, as opposed to waiting for them to basically say, hey, this isn't working for me, we would reach out to them and say, hey, it looks like your leads are down 50% this month. Here's a couple of example, examples of other clients and how they're doing and what they're doing to actually grow their business. So you're practicing proactive service as opposed to reactive service. And that's that's a hard thing to transition into, um, but it, it makes all the difference in the world. It shows your clients you care. It shows that you're invested in their business and that you're trying to help them achieve their goals. Great, great points. Um, so I'd love some predictions and and things that you guys think about where do you guys go for inspiration well i guess i'll start it off here chris um, chris and i are very different uh chris chris uh you know he he reads everything out there about the latest trends uh I, i'm much more interested in biographies these days yeah i, I you know, so I've, I've you know everything from franklin to einstein to i'm now reading uh Teddy Roosevelt's biography. Uh, you know, I, I like to look back in history and look at you know what are the trends, what are the things that define great leaders, great entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, people who have made a difference, people who are still talking about hundreds of years later. Uh, I've always looked at that for inspiration, and I've always tried to draw correlations between how it can apply to to me today and what we do here at Curator. Uh, but like, I, I would want to warn you, unless you have the other side, which is Chris's side here, like you you will sort sort of quickly fall out of, out of touch with where where the world's headed. So for me, I think there's always lessons to be learned by. Um, those individuals that, you know, that have, have, uh, stood the test of time and that we're still talking about today. Yeah. For me, Seth, I would add that ironically, the place that I'm learning things that I don't think anybody else is learning yet right now is through podcasts, podcasts like yours, you know, the craft of marketing podcasts, like the Tim Ferriss experiment podcasts, like uh, rocket ship, get, you know, startup. Um, so for me, uh, you know, it feels like that the smartest marketers and business people are now doing a lot of audio like this. And so I actually find myself listening to a ton of podcasts 
and just discovering people and products and ideas and strategies that, that you would never think of. Um, you know, lead pages, conversion cast, yeah. Uh, yeah. HubSpot, the growth show. Uh, you know, I, I can't help but pick up just nuggets and nuggets of gold. So that, that for me, and also I would throw in product hunt. Like if you yeah. really like keeping an eye on technology tools, but you want to find the ones that are like crazy vetted by people before you try them. Yeah. If you look at like product hunts, month, monthly collections, as an example, if you look at everything that was suggested in June and you only look at like the five or six that got the most upvotes, you're going to be at about 90% happiness, which is really great. So product hunt and podcasting is probably my 2015 recipe. I'm sure it'll change. There's awesome. one thing. I, there's one thing I want to add real quickly, just for, for a few seconds here, Seth, is that what's really interesting right now about the world we live in is that great entrepreneurs are actually opening up their books and sharing advice to the world. Yeah. And you know, like it, I'm just thinking about this right now because I'm like, we're, I'm reading about J.P. Morgan. Like J.P. Morgan wasn't writing blog posts about ten ways to improve your business, right? It was, it was like very secretive. It was very much like that information, like you were talking about earlier in the podcast, was was controlled. It was there you know, it was their proprietary information right now as, as, as marketers and, and more accurately as entrepreneurs, we have just so much information at our disposal. All you have to do is look up. So true. So true. Um, before we end, I want to get your thoughts on the future. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges facing the industry today? And then secondly, how can professionals address them? Well, I, I would, I'll, I'll take that first. The biggest challenges for marketing professionals and how to address them. Yeah. In the, but uh, specifically in the real estate industry. Sure. Well, I think it's that indecision is the worst decision. And I think that people have analysis paralysis. You know, when I look at that business insider chart, Seth, of all the technologies that an agent or broker could sign up for. Yeah. I would be afraid as well. So, you know, back to, to some of the earlier advice, it's, you know, are you, are you looking at tools? Are you investing in strategies and marketing campaigns that are either capturing or converting leads? Yeah. And that would be kind of where I would try to really laser focus to start. Um, Jimmy said this several times, the biggest mistake they're going to make is trying everything once versus trying the right things a dozen times, you know, to be very specific, yeah. people need to get really good at Facebook ads. People need to get really good at email marketing. People need to get really good at SMS autoresponders. Those types of channels uh, are gonna be safe for the next three to five years. Like Facebook ads will continue to work. Yeah. Messages, that go out immediately. And, and, and the SMS thing, Seth, is actually a big deal because sometimes we feel like our marketing doesn't work and it's actually the medium in which we're doing it. Yeah. The open and rate on SMS is just bananas. It, it's through the roof. But the thing is, an SMS has to be written differently than a drip email. So what is something that everybody should think about? Copywriting, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you do and, and maybe buy Anne's book? I mean, she's amazing. But like, how do you write copy for an SMS? And when I look at real estate email newsletters right now, 
it looks like, you know, they basically puked their blog into their email tool. There's like 5,000 words and 15 pictures in their email. And that's just not what normal emails look like. So I would say laser focus on Facebook ads, email marketing, and conversion technology like SMS. The other thing would be stop thinking about follow-up as being based on time and date. So, hey, we met at Starbucks and six months went by, so it's time to call. You want your follow-up moving forward to be behavior-based. So everybody you're following up with should have opened an email from you or visited your website or clicked on your ad very recently. And so if you'll follow up with the people that are engaging with your marketing, you'll find that it's not that hard to work internet leads. And Jimmy? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I agree with everything that Chris has said there. I think, uh, for me, uh, it's a little bit different of an approach. I think that right now, uh, the biggest challenge our industry faces is that, uh, we do not want to become employees of our own business, right? We don't want to become, uh, so in, uh, in, entrenched in, in, in the day-to-day, uh, uh, work that's involved with running a business that we don't have an opportunity to work on our business. So I think one of the, one of the things that I've learned along the way is there's a wonderful book written on this topic uh, called The E-Myth uh, by, uh, I think, Michael Gerber. Uh, he talks about this a lot in the book, this idea of you know investing in the infrastructure, investing in the framework of your business to ensure that you're operating at a high level. And in order for you to do that, you have to control your calendar. And I think if you're, if you're waking up in the morning and the first thing you're doing is you're checking your email, you know, what you're doing is you're working on other people's priorities, not your own. So having control over your calendar, having control of your time and being able to translate that in terms of working on your business in ways that will actually help move the needle is what our industry has to get a lot better at. That's great. I, fantastic point. Gentlemen, I loved having you on the show. You guys have a ton of insight and I know we could go on for a really long time. What's the best place for people to find out more about what you guys do at Curator and more about you guys individually? Sure. They can go to curator.com, C-U-R-A-Y-T-O-R.com. You can check out our web show there, connect with us on social. There's a big button that says hire us where you can learn more about the services that we offer. And also, Seth, we talked a little bit about people work and uh, I wanted to just make an offer to your listeners. They can just email me personally if they're listening, chris at curator.com, and we'll give them a free ebook of people work. That sounds fantastic. Guys, thanks so much. And uh, I know we're going to see each other soon. Thanks, Seth. Great right. podcast. I'm pumped <laughs> that you're doing it. Can't wait to listen to the future guests, not just be a guest. Awesome. <laughs> bye bye. Take care, Seth. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. 
Learn more at Playster.com.